breaking dawn, the light that shines over everyone. We look to you, we long for you, oh Lord. We behold the rising sun, the earth awakes, your hope has come. We look to you, we long. people of unclean lips, a people who now have, are standing in your presence, O oh Lord, and um, we realize the sinful creatures that we are. And so would you forgive us where we have failed you and missed the mark. And would you remind us once again that we are created in the image of God. And you, God, your mercy never fails. As this day is new, so your mercy is new. And so we get a chance to start again today. Thank you, Lord. And so we come and we worship the God who never fails, the God who is always on time, the God who lifts us up and sets our feet on a rock and gives us a firm place to stand. And so we stand on you today, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. This is, a, this is a new song for our congregation this morning. And we want you to, to be seated and, and kind of take it in through that first verse and a chorus. And then as you are led, you feel free to join us in standing and, and singing along. And we've printed uh, notes uh, notation for the chorus in your worship guide. So if you're one of those that love to have the notes in front of you, well, there it is. And I uh, hope that's a help uh, to you um, as we proclaim uh, the God who never fails.
same God who never fails, will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. He's working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high. In the lowest valley, yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I will. count on one thing I count on one thing the same God that never fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same God is never late is working all things out you're working all things out yes I Lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I for all my days for all my days. Yes, I will and I.
Well, good morning. Uh, welcome to Snyder Memorial Baptist Church. It is good to see the church gathering for worship today. Karen, you want to come on up? Yeah, come on up. You're much better at this than I am. Um, and welcome us and yeah. Oh, my bad. But go ahead. We'll greet one another in just a second here. So just do that and go ahead. Go ahead. Karen. I messed up. I thought I missed my cue. <laughs> Well, good morning. My name is Karen McCamus. I am the Director of Children and Family Ministries here at Snyder, and it's good to see you all here this morning. We have a packed house today. Anybody know why? I bet we all know why, right? We've got baptism this morning. We're very excited for that. Um, we have a lot of friends being baptized this morning, and we're so excited that they get to proclaim their faith and their, their trust in God um, this morning by baptism with immersion. So glad you joined us for that today. Um, on the right side of your row, there are the black friendship pads. Please take those, and as you're sitting here listening, just go ahead and fill it out, pass it down the row, see who's sitting next to you, kind of take a peek. That's our way of getting to know you and a way of, getting, a way of helping you kind of make a friend um, with someone who's sitting next to you that you might not know. And all, as always, there's a lot going on this week and in the next couple weeks. So make sure you check out your bulletin. In the back, there's the news and events. There's a lot going on, so check that out. I'm going to point out a couple things real quick. Today after the service, we've been celebrating the Heart for Sunday School month all month long. And so today after service, we are going to be celebrating our teachers. So go teachers, yay. We're excited and thank you so much for all you do, all the time, love, and effort you put into um, Sunday School lessons every Sunday for us. We appreciate you so much. And so we're going to have a little breakfast out here for you before and after Sunday School. So right after this service, right out in the gathering hall, there'll be a little breakfast spread. You're going to smell yummy biscuits and sausage balls and coffee, and it's not for all of you. <laughs> so Make, don't stop by. Want to be a Sunday school teacher. Yeah, there you yeah. go. You could be a Sunday school teacher and get, get lots of goodies, but feel free to stop by and say hi to a Sunday school teacher. Thank them for all that they do, and if you're a Sunday school teacher, come get breakfast. We want to treat you this morning. Um, and then next Sunday, I'm going to point this out, my RAs, my Royal Ambassadors, first through sixth grade boys, we have been making our road rally Pinewood Derby cars, and we have our road race next Sunday at 2 p.m. We're going to transform this area into a track and a fun time. So if you want to come out and support them, we'd love to have you here. There's also an open bracket, so if you don't fall in the category of first to sixth grade boy and you want to race a car anyway, come see me and we'll get you hooked up, okay? Um, so, you want me to go ahead and pray? Uh, you want to greet one yeah, let's, let's just keep this rolling. We got, we got baptisms coming, and uh, I'm so excited about that. We want to give some time to that. So, Karen, if, yeah, go ahead and, okay. go ahead and pray. And, We're yeah. going to continue this morning with worship. So um, would you just bow your heads and pray with me this morning? Dear God, you are the creator of all, and out of darkness you made us a light. You fulfilled every word of prophecy and sent your Son from heaven to earth. Because of your mercy and your love, we have hope. Praise you, Father. Praise your Son. Praise the Spirit, three in one. God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of kings. To reveal the kingdom come and to reconcile the lost to redeem the whole creation you did not despise the cross for even in your suffering you saw to the other side knowing this was our salvation jesus for our sake you died let's stand as we sing praise the father 
ask you to take your Bibles uh, and turn to John's Gospel, the 21st chapter. Uh, those of you who have been with us uh, this spring know we're working through some of the invitations that we find from Jesus in the New Testament. Uh, one of the words I looked at, word church, was come. And you'll see in this particular uh, passage, in fact, I'm going to summarize that section of it, Jesus invited, this is a post-resurrection experience, he invited his disciples, seven of them, to come and have breakfast. But that invitation was a whole lot more than about breakfast. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. John's Gospel, the 21st chapter, beginning with the first verse. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. That's the, same, that's the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And so at that point, they recognize it's Jesus. Uh, John recognizes. Peter jumps out of the boat, grabs his outer garment, jumps out of the boat about 100 yards offshore, and he swims in. 
and they haul this big haul of fish after them. They get to the shore, and Jesus already has a fire, a charcoal fire going with some fish on it. And he invites them, come and have breakfast. And so we're going to pick up with the 15th verse. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. This is the word of God for the people of God. If you have ever played the game of golf with some friends, there may have been some mulligans involved. If you've ever played the game of golf, you will realize that one shot can get you into big trouble pretty quickly. You're off into the woods, you're in the water somewhere, and when that mulligan, if it's, if it's at play in the game, it's wonderful. To be able to put another golf ball down in the same place and pretend like you just didn't, didn't do what you just did. A do-over, if you will. A second chance. In real life. And in our faith journey, second chances can make a huge difference. This post-resurrection appearance of Jesus is found only in John's gospel, and I am so glad that it's here. Seven of Jesus' disciples together at the Sea of Tiberias, and as I mentioned as I was reading it, this is the Sea of Galilee that we read about in the, in the New Testament. This was home for many of them. This is where Jesus had found them and called them three years earlier to follow him, and, and they're back here at the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee fishing. In fact, if you go back to the other post-resurrection narratives in the other Gospels, in Matthew's Gospel, we find out that Jesus had told the women who had come to the tomb and saw him to tell the disciples to go to Galilee, and they will see me there. So they were there because Jesus had told the women to tell them, they're going to see me there. But without this chapter in the Bible, we would be left hanging about what happened to Peter after he denied Christ. What happened to that relationship? That was a special relationship. Peter was in the inner circle of Jesus' disciples. Peter, James, and John seemed to have a closer relationship with him, and yet Peter had really messed up, denying that he knew Christ. And, you, and, and if we didn't have this chapter in the Bible, we would be left hanging. How does Jesus deal with the times that we fail him? I want to address this because I believe we've all been where Peter was. I know I have. We've all failed Jesus in one way or another. And when we look back on our lives, we know we knew better. And we may have even promised him that we would do better. And yet we failed nonetheless. And that does something to us pretty, pretty powerful inside. We feel defeated. And we feel paralyzed about how to move forward. 
how, how do I move forward as a Christian who I promised Jesus I loved him? Man, I got emotional when I realized how much he loved me. And I told him I would follow him, and yet I failed him. Folks, I've been there. I have stood in Peter's shoes. And it's wonderful that we have a God of second chances. Because we all need a second chance. Peter had failed Jesus big time. And his spirit was crushed. I'll bet if we were to talk to Peter today, if he were able to stand here with us for just a few moments, and you were to say, Peter, if you could do one thing over in your whole life, what would you do? This would be the one thing. The night that Jesus was taken into custody and, and, and they confronted him and said, aren't you one of his disciples? And I mean, he swore up and down, I don't know the man. I'll bet this is the one thing that Peter would want to do over. When all the other disciples had abandoned Jesus, it was Peter who said, I'll stay with you. I won't abandon you. I won't deny you. He had sworn vehemently that he didn't even know Jesus. I'll bet he replayed that tape. Those few days between the time he denied Christ and the time that Jesus finds him here on the Sea of Galilee, the shore of the Sea of Galilee, I'll bet he replayed that tape a million times. How could I have done that? I can be my own worst enemy. I play these tapes in my mind. I look back over the course of my life and think, how in the world, John, did you, did you mess that one up? You knew better, and you're a better Christian than that. And so I played those tapes, and I'm sure Peter did well, as well. The man who had at one time had left everything to follow Jesus had now turned back to his old life. Verse 3, I'm going fishing. Good night. Jesus has just been raised from the dead, and Peter's back fishing. What's going on here? He knew he had failed Jesus. He knew he had failed him big time. And I'm convinced that Peter convinced himself that he, that he was of no use to Jesus any further. And folks, I want you to hear this because I, I, I've dealt with this in my own life. That is a foothold that Satan would like to grab in your thinking. What kind of Christian are you anyway? How is it that you think you can represent Christ and you can live this, this Christian life? We fail Christ and, say, and Satan gets in there in mind and says, man, you're a loser. You'll never be much of anything for Christ. He can't use you. You can still come to church. You can still do the, 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 the religious things that God's called you to do, but you'll never be worth much for Jesus. How did Peter fail so quickly? And how did he fail so hard? I think we might look at this and say, well, it was probably fear. I mean, good night. Jesus was in custody. It didn't, it didn't look good for him. And Peter was there, but at least he was following. The other guys had scattered. And I'll bet Peter got confronted in that moment, and it was probably some fear, what are they going to do to me? And so sometimes it's a fear of what's going to happen to us that will, will, will cause this. But I want to suggest to you that there was a bigger reason that Peter fell so quickly and a bitter, bigger reason that he fell so hard, and it was pride. I think Peter was overconfident. I think Peter thought, if everybody else fails to Jesus, I'll be the one who's in the game with you. I'll follow you. And so Peter put a lot of confidence in himself, and he realized just how shallow his uh, confidence could be. In fact, in John's gospel, earlier in the 13th chapter, the 37th verse, Peter, Jesus had said, you guys can't follow me. And Peter's the one who said, Lord, why can't I follow you? I will lay down my life for you. In the very next verse, Jesus says, will you really lay down your life for me? I'll tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. And Matthew relays this. I want to share this conversation with you. Then Jesus told them... <clears throat> This very night you will all fall away on account of, of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, 
and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. There's that reference again. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same, and yet he did. I'm sure in that moment he was saying to Jesus, Lord, I love you with everything I am. If I have to die with you, I'll die with you. And yet he denied Christ within a very short period of time of making that promise. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. We too can be prideful and overconfident in our ability and commitment to follow Jesus, and we too end up falling short. We fail the people in our lives, people that we love, and they fail us sometimes, and we can feel horrible about that. But to fail the one who hung on the cross for us, to fail the one, as we sang about just a moment ago, who has never failed us, that could be especially difficult to deal with. But the truth is, if each of us knew how sinful we really are, we would not be so surprised by our failures. But because we often don't realize the extent of our sinfulness, we are shocked. Particularly when we fall into serious moral sin or by our surprising ability to outright deny that we know Jesus or that we're a follower of his. And when we do sin, the devil loves to use that and convince us that we've forfeited our right to have a successful and a happy Christian life. And he loves to use it to tell us we'll never be of use to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's no wonder that there was a strained silence during breakfast on that shore that morning. Peter's memory of swearing he didn't know Jesus was still vivid in his mind. How could he look Jesus in the eye? And what could he possibly say? What can we possibly say to Jesus when we know what we've done? And how do we move forward? How do we tell him again that we're going to follow him? I remember in my first church in, in Hardensburg, Kentucky, a little eight-year-old girl named Melanie. I'll never forget her name because of my conversation with her. Raised in a wonderful Christian family. Her parents lived just a, a few hundred yards down the road from the parsonage where I lived. She made her profession of faith in Jesus Christ. I talked with her about that decision. I baptized her in that church. And on vacation Bible school the following su uh, summer, I was talking to all the kids about what it meant to have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I asked them all to close their eyes, and I said, if you want to talk to me further after this opening assembly, they were going to go to their classes, just raise your hand for a minute, and I'll, and I'll find you, and we'll talk. Two children raised their hand, a little boy and Melanie. And so we dismissed all the kids, and they're out doing their activities. This was on Thursday of that week. And I took them back. This was an old country church that had a little crying room in the back left corner of the sanctuary where moms could take their little babies and they could have a little speaker in there and the windows so they could look out, but we didn't have to hear the babies crying. So that, that's a crying room. And I took them back into that room and I said, talked to both of them for a minute. I said, now, Melanie, I, 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 we've talked about this before. We, you know, we've baptized you. And she said, Brother John, that's what they call me. Brother John, I just have one question for you. What happens when we sin? after we become a Christian. Now, I can't imagine what that eight-year-old girl did. 
I can't imagine it was something significant. But in her heart and in her mind, she knew that she had failed the Jesus that she had placed her faith in. And I said, Melanie, when we become a Christian, sweetheart, we don't become perfect. We're still going to sin. And Jesus still forgives us of those sins. We all need second chances in our relationship with Jesus. And the good news this morning is that we serve the God of second chances. That's the title of my sermon this morning. We serve the God of second chances. The whole purpose of this encounter in Scripture is to tell us that with Christ, there is always the promise of a second chance when we repent. You see, John tells us in the first John, chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's writing to Christians. He's writing to you and me. If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so John is telling us under inspiration of the Holy Spirit that there are times as Christians we're going to fail Jesus and we're going to fail him big time and we're going to fail him lots of times. But the Bible tells us, the truth of God's word says, that when those times come and as often as they come, we confess those sins. And God is faithful and he's just and he's able to wash those sins away too, to give us a second chance. It was significant that Jesus invites Peter to breakfast around a charcoal fire. You see, it was another fire on the night that Jesus was taken into custody that, G that Peter was around kind of warming himself with other people when they recognized him and said, aren't you one of his disciples? And I'm sure as he watched that fire on the shore that morning with Jesus at getting ready to have breakfast, he was replaying those tapes again about that other fire, the last time he had been at a fire, really, when Jesus was present. I'm sure it weighed heavily on his heart. And so the invitation to eat breakfast was more than about food. It was about fellowship with Jesus. You see, Jesus never stopped loving Peter, not even a little bit, after Peter denied him. And you need to hear the same thing in your life, in your spiritual journey. Jesus does not stop loving us at all when we fail him. Jesus wanted the relationship with Peter restored more than Peter did. Peter was sitting there heartbroken. Peter was trying to figure out, how do I move forward? Peter was saying, how do I look this master in the eye anymore? And Jesus wanted the restoration more than Peter did. And he wants it for you too. That's why Jesus came back. That's why this chapter is in the Bible, in the word of God. To relay to us that Jesus loves us even when we sin. Even after we become a Christian. Even when we fail, fail Jesus big time. And so Jesus asked Peter the same question three times. And we saw in the scripture, Peter gets hurt. No doubt corresponding to the three times that Peter had denied Jesus. There, there's a correlation there. Peter had three times said, I don't know the man. Why do you keep asking me this question? And so three times, Jesus gave Peter the opportunity to reaffirm his love for him. Do you really love me or truly love me more than these? I don't know what the these meant. It probably could have meant his, the other disciples. Because remember the passage I read for you just a moment ago? Peter said, if everybody else falls away, even if I have to die with you, I'm going to be with you. And so Peter may have been saying, do you love me more than these? Jesus may have been saying, do you love me more than these other disciples? Or maybe it was all of his stuff, all of his fishing gear, his family, 
the things that Jesus had originally called him away from to follow him. Peter, you're back here fishing. Do you really love me more than all this stuff, all these? Are you willing to give all, all of this to follow me? Are you willing to love me supremely, as we talked about last week in following Jesus? And it's interesting how Peter responds, because he's very, he's very accurate theologically. He applies, he appeals to Jesus' knowledge. He said, Lord, you know. You know I love you. Lord, you know all things. You know in your heart that I love you. There's great comfort in God's omniscience. I think for those of us who are trying to hide our sin from God, it can be very convicting. I know I can't hide my sin from him. It's very comforting to me to know that I don't have to explain anything to Jesus. He knows it all. He knows the number of hairs on my head. He knows the number of days that I, you, you and I will live before we live a single one. He knows it all. And so even when we mess up, even when we fail him, we know that he knows our heart. He knows we're a sinner. He knows we're going to fail. But he also knows us at the core of our being. And he knows deep down inside that we love him. Are you tired of carrying your burden of guilt from past failures? I touched on this a few weeks ago. Are you tired of wondering how to move forward in your relationship with Jesus? Are you tired of feeling paralyzed in your walk with him? Here again, the words from Matthew eleven twenty eight: Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You see, it doesn't matter to Jesus what your past sins are, as long as you're willing to repent. As long as you and I are willing to tell him, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry. You know I love you, and you know I want this relationship with you. He wants to give you a second chance. I could stop the sermon here, and I know it's going to resonate because it resonates in my heart. I can tell you're very attentive. But I want to share something just a little bit further with you. There's a reason that Jesus gave Peter a second chance. And it was because the Lord had work for Peter to do. And it ties into why Jesus gives us second chances too. Jesus doesn't want us to just come to church and be as best we can be. He's got a purpose for us, folks. He wants to release us from the guilt. He wants to release us from the shame. He wants to release us from the paralyzation that will never be anything good for him. Because we can be. And he's called us to be. All of us. And so there's a reason Jesus gives Peter and you and me a second chance. He had a personalized cross for Peter to carry. I talked about that last week. Our crosses are different. Our crosses are not a wooden structure. Our crosses are God's will for our lives, God's specific will. In fact, right after I stopped reading, Peter's talking to Jesus, and he looks at John, and he says, well, what about him? And Jesus says, don't worry about him. If I want him to remain alive until I come back, that's my business with him. You come and follow me. And so Jesus had a personalized cross for Peter, and he's got a personalized cross for us. And so the reason he gives us a second chance is because he wants us to pick up our cross and, care and follow him, just like we talked about last week. Peter was going to be exactly what Jesus had originally called him to be, a fisher of men. You remember that one? Come follow me, I'm going to make you a fisher of men and women. It was Peter at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was moving in a powerful way, who preached a single sermon, and 3,000 people were saved that day. 
never would have happened if Peter hadn't, if Jesus hadn't given Peter a second chance. And so I wonder what's not happening in the kingdom of God because you and I are paralyzed. We won't move forward because we failed Jesus and we won't get released from that burden. Jesus is telling you and me today, I'm giving you a second chance because I've got a purpose for your life in the world. Jesus gave Peter another specific purpose, service in the body of Christ. That's something all of us can do. That's something God has called all of us to do, to feed and take care of his sheep. Every time Peter confessed that his love, he loved Jesus, Jesus channeled that to a command to feed or take care of the flock of God. And so Peter is not only restored, but he's commissioned for service. Jesus actually entrusted the church to someone who had failed him big time. I've got to tell you that this passage has special significance to me as a pastor because I failed Jesus. It has special significance to me as your pastor because the most important thing that I can do as a servant of God is to love Jesus with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. And then as a part of my calling to take care of his sheep. They're not my sheep. We're Jesus' sheep. Every single Sunday morning, I sit in my chair and I pray the same prayer almost verbatim. Father, this is your church. These are your people. They need to hear your voice. They need to experience your love. They need to hear your truth. And so I want to be faithful to do what God commissioned, Jesus commissioned Peter to do, to feed God's people with the truth of God's word to the best of my ability. But God's call, my folks, is not just to pastors. It's to all of us. God restores us. God gives us second chances because he has work for us to do in and through the body of Christ. And I hope that you'll hear God's message to your heart this morning as he restores you to that relationship, as you leave those burdens behind this morning to pick up your second chance, to get your mulligan, to do it over, and to move forward with freedom in Christ. And so John's gospel ends with the clear call to discipleship. Follow me. Actually, the Greek says, keep on following me, Peter. Leave your boat. Stop fishing for fish. Come and follow me. I've got something for you to do in my kingdom. I believe this morning that there are too many Christians sitting on the sidelines for a lot of reasons. But I think one of the biggest reasons is because we failed Jesus. And we feel like we can't, he can't use us anymore. I want to ask you some questions this morning and then we'll close. If you could sit down for breakfast with Jesus this morning, what one thing would you tell him? What one question do you think he would ask you? And what word of encouragement do you think he would share with you this morning? Will you let Jesus give you a second chance in your relationship with him? We serve the God of second chances. Let's pray together. Father, we can sit here and wonder how in the world Peter could have failed you the way that he did, especially after he promised you to do better. And yet we don't have to wonder very long because we've been in Peter's shoes. 
We've promised you our love. We've promised that we're going to follow you. We've promised that we're going to do better. And we haven't. And so we can take our cue this morning from an eight-year-old girl named Melanie who grew up in rural Kentucky with the realization and the truth that we will fail you at times. But that's not the end of our journey. You are faithful and just and able to forgive us of every single sin, even after we've decided to follow you. And Father, impress upon our hearts this morning just how much you love us. That you want that relationship restored more than we do, and that's a lot. And thank you for making that possible by the blood of your son Jesus and his willingness to love us and to give us a second chance. In Jesus' name, amen. Folks, I know most of us are Christians. I hope all of us are. But there may be somebody here today who has never received Christ. You've never received God's forgiveness initially. Can I invite you this morning? Yes, we have baptism. We're going to take care of that in a minute. Can I invite you this morning to come to the God who wants to give you an incredible chance, a chance to live fully and freely? It's a wonderful, he's a wonderful God. He did a lot to communicate that love to you. I pray that this morning you might step forward and say, I want to receive Christ as my Savior and Lord. Christian, I can tell you're a very attentive group. Um, and I'm preaching from, from my own personal experience and my own heart again this morning. We serve a God who gives us second chances. Please don't leave here today with any burdens you've been carrying because of any past failures, no matter how serious your failure has been. Leave it at the cross today. And move forward a free man, a free woman, a free teenager that can move forward with second chances with Jesus Christ. If you're looking for a church home, and God has led you here to Snyder. You know this is where he wants you to be. We want you to make that decision formal this morning and come forward and say, I want to be a part of this wonderful church. I know God is speaking. I pray that you'll listen to his voice and that you'll say yes to him. Let's stand as we sing. Bring 
sheep out here that I do know. It's good to see this crowd, our brothers and sisters. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for our many blessings and the bounty that we enjoy. And as we bring our offerings and our gifts to you, we pray that it will honor your name in this community and worldwide. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. Awesome song to conclude the service here today. I'm going to invite the Nelson family to join me up here. Kyle and Elizabeth, and then uh, we've got Emma and Jacob. Uh, don't need an introduction to many of you. They've been very faithful here for a while, come from another uh, faith tradition. In fact, I'm going to baptize these two. They're already wearing their T-shirts. I met with them this week. I knew they were coming, and so I told them we would include them in the baptism today. Uh, but a, a family that loves the Lord, uh, very committed to him, and uh, wanted to come and make it official, be a part of Snyder Memorial Baptist Church. If you celebrate their decision, will you say welcome to Snyder? All right, and give me about two seconds to change and get in the pool, and we'll be right with you. Y'all have a seat for just a moment, please. Come on, guys. Uh, baptism. Is my, is my mic not working? I want to say something about baptism uh, before we begin. A couple of things. Number one, we're going to end up between the two services baptizing 18 people here uh, this morning at Snyder. Um, and it's not about the numbers, although I'm excited uh, about that. That's a big number. Um, we've got children. We've got teenagers. We've got men and women. We've got people in the senior years of their life. Uh, we've got an international woman I'll baptize in the second service. It's a testimony to God's love and God's grace and the folks that are responding and many of them here at Snyder to that love and grace as we grow in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to celebrate that. I do want to say also this morning that we have a number of people that are coming from a, a different faith tradition. I, I mean, it's a, it's a Christian denomination, but they come from a denomination that celebrates uh, baptism by sprinkling as an infant. And this does not in any way negate that or take away from that. This is a supplemental experience, as I've, I've encouraged these people to, to uh, uh, appreciate. This is something new and something different that we as Baptists require, not for salvation. This doesn't do anything to save anybody. But it does enable them to be a, a member of a Baptist church, and if they were to move from here to be a member of another Baptist church as well. So please understand that some of the folks I'll baptize today have been a believer for a long time. And it's that faith in Jesus Christ that saves them, not this baptism by the waters. I do want to talk about, we do, we do baptize because we've been talking about following Jesus and following his commands. At the very end of, Matt, of Matthew's gospel, Jesus tells the disciples as they move forward with him going on to heaven, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so what we do this morning is an act of obedience to Christ's command of the church when he, right before he was, was taken up into heaven. But the symbolism of baptism by immersion is very powerful. And, and I, we may have people here that have not seen that or, uh, or understand why we do it the way we do. Again, it does nothing to save someone. We're saved uh, solely by our faith in Christ alone. But this image of, of lowering somebody in the water and raising them back up, their whole face will be below the water and back up, it is symbolic of the fact that we serve a risen Jesus Christ. They crucified him on the cross, they buried him in a tomb, and the Father raised him from the dead. And so it's, it's symbolic of the fact that we have a risen Savior. It's also symbolic of the fact that every single one of us that places our faith in Jesus Christ will receive the same bodily resurrection when Christ returns. 
The Bible says that Jesus was the first fruits of the resurrection. That means that there's more resurrection to come. And that resurrection to come is not when we die. Our soul goes to be with the Lord immediately if we're a believer. But our body will be raised just like Jesus was, a spiritual body just like he had after the resurrection. We'll get that too. And so I've encouraged those who are being baptized this morning to think about that as they're baptized. If you, if you die before Christ comes back, think about this fact. God is going to raise your body from the dead one day when Christ returns. And then we read in the Bible, Paul is writing to Christians in, in, the, in, the, in Rome, and he says, we have been buried with him, meaning Christ in baptism, and we've been raised to walk in newness of life. They hadn't been buried in terms of a physical sense. But the old John Cook, the old individual that didn't know Christ, that person's dead and gone. When we place our faith in Christ, we're a new creature. That's what the Bible says. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so it's symbolic of the fact that we are, we are, uh, that we are burying the old person that did not know Jesus in a personal way, and that new believer is raised to walk in newness of life that the Bible encourages us to walk in. So a very important ordinance that we, we observe as Baptists, we only have a couple, Lord's Supper and Baptism, but it's very, it's very important. It's very significant in its symbolism this morning. So let's get started with, uh, with crew. Crew? There you go, buddy. And notice some of them are, are wearing, they don't all have to, but they're, come on, it's good. I have decided t-shirt. I have decided to follow Jesus. Crew comes from a wonderful Christian family. Uh, we've, I've known his mom and dad for a long time. And he came forward and said, I'm ready to make this decision for myself. So one of the younger ones that will baptize today, but it is my, is my delight uh, to baptize you, crew, upon your public profession of faith. upon your public profession of faith and in obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I baptize you now, my brother in Christ, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and get a candle. Get a candle. Get a candle. Crew, you're the light of the world, and you have a benefit of living a lot of years since you're so young. You let that light shine for Jesus, that others may see your good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. Hi, Savannah. Savannah Hatchell and her mom came to see me just a couple weeks ago because Savannah was ready to make her decision to follow Jesus and had a, a conversation with her, just a very sweet, simple faith in my office. And so, Savannah, it's my honor to baptize you today as well. Savannah, upon your public profession of faith and in obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I baptize you now, my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Savannah, you too are the light of the world. You let that light shine all the days of your life that others may see your good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven.
Becky Buchanan, one of the individuals I shared with you just a moment ago, has, been, has known the Lord for a long time, very committed to him, but has never experienced baptism by immersion. So, Becky, I told you this is my honor today to, to do uh, your baptism as well. Becky, upon your public profession of faith and in obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I baptize you now, my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Becky, you're the light of the world. I know that light's been shining a long time, but it's going to shine here at Snyder, and we're delighted to have you as a part of our congregation. You let that light continue to shine, that others may continue to see your good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. We've got some family units this morning. I'm going to do a, a mother and a father and a daughter now, come on in. This is Jim Smith, and I'll introduce the others uh, in just a moment. Jim and his wife Meg and Annie uh, have been coming to Snyder very faithfully for several months, and they've found a church home here. Uh, they, too, come from another faith tradition. This, again, this does not in any way negate that. It just adds to it. And so, Jim, I d I was, it was a pr privilege to, to meet with your family in my office and get to know you a little bit better, and it's my honor today to... to to baptize you by immersion. Jim, upon your public profession of faith and in obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I baptize you now, my brother in Christ, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You're good, you're good. Jim, you're the spiritual head of your family. You let that light so shine that others may see your good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. God bless you. Jim's wife, Meg, and again, just a delight to meet with them as a family in my, in my office, uh, to see their heart for the Lord, to, to see that they found a new church home here at Snyder. And so, Meg, it's my honor today to baptize you uh, by immersion as well. Meg, upon your public profession of faith and in obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I baptize you now, my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You've got a fan club here. <laughs> Meg, you're the light of the world in your family and in your community and in our church. You let that light continue to shine that others may see your good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. This is their uh, daughter, Annie. Again, what a sweetheart uh, to have a chance to talk with her at such a young, tender age about her relationship with the Lord, and Annie's ready too. And so what a joy to be baptized with your parents uh, on the same day. 
So Annie, upon your public profession of faith and in obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I baptize you now, my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Annie, you're the light of the world. You let that light shine all the days of your life that others may see your good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. <laughs> Got another family. Uh, the father, husband has been baptized, but wife Jeanette and then children Ben and Emma will be uh, baptized here. This is Jeanette Gooch. Again, not new to the Christian faith. They've been raising their children in the Christian faith. They came, in fact, just last Sunday. And so it's good timing for us to be able to, to baptize them and, and welcome them into the fellowship of our church family. So Jeanette, upon your public profession of faith and in obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I baptize you now, my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jeanette, I'm very excited for you and Matt. You let that light continue to shine so that others may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is son Ben. I, I can't imagine a greater joy than to be baptized with your children or for the children to be baptized with their parents. So Ben, I had a chance to, to see him last week um, for, his, for his decision to receive Christ, and we want to baptize him this morning as well. Ben, upon your public profession of faith and in obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I baptize you now, my brother in Christ, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Ben, you are the light of the world. You let that light shine so that others may see your good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. God bless you. This is Sister Emma. Uh, again, made her profession of faith public to us last Sunday here at, at Snyder. And Emma, it's my delight to, to baptize you as well. Emma, upon your public profession of faith and in obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I baptize you now, my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Emma, you're the light of the world. You've got a lot of years to live. You let that light shine brightly for Jesus that others may see your good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven.
another Emma, Emma Nelson, who just made her uh, profession of faith here uh, this morning. You know, it's exciting for me. We'll, we'll baptize several teenagers today to see teenagers who are stepping up in today's culture and today's age and saying, I've decided to follow Jesus. And so, Emma, I couldn't be more excited for you and your family about this decision. Emma, upon your public profession of faith and in obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I baptize you now, my sister in Christ, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Emma, you're the light of the world. You let that light shine that others may see your good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. God bless you. And this is Jacob Nelson who also made his decision this morning. Jacob, somebody has to back clean up and you're the man. I could not be more excited for this young man, too. Again, wonderful Christian family. Uh, they're doing what they're supposed to be at the home. They're very involved in the church, and this young man has a bright future as well. So it's my honor to baptize you today as well, Jacob. Jacob, upon your public profession of faith and obedience to the command of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I baptize you now, my brother in Christ, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jacob, you're the light of the world. You let that light shine so that others may see your good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. God bless you, brother. Let's give God a hand this morning. This has been an awesome day. Will you, will you stand for our benediction, please? Father, all praise and honor and glory be to you this morning for who you are, for how you love, for how you love us. So, Father, thank you for the visual this morning of that love as we've been able to baptize people of all ages and walks of life who have made their decision to follow your son, Jesus Christ. Father, encourage them, encourage us in our walk with you. And thank you, Father, for being the God of second chances. In Jesus' name, amen. I count, I count on one thing, the same, the same God who never fails, will not fail, will not fail me. The same God, the same God who's never late, is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy. When my heart is heavy all my days, yes, I will. I count on one thing. I count on one thing. 
same God. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now. In the waiting, the same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy.